Hi guys, it's Sahara Bay and welcome to Perspective. Today I have my absolute favorite teacher in the whole wide world, Miss Lamano. Hi, I'm so happy to be on here with you. I am like so excited. Um, I guess we can like jump right in. So my first question is like, what woman has inspired you in... What or who inspired you to like not only become a teacher but just a teacher in an underserved community? Because I think that is like a very big factor in your teaching style and who and who you are. Wow. Okay. So, what woman has inspired me? This question for me is it's a pretty loaded question because I feel like growing up I was surrounded by so many powerful women. My mom, obviously, as um, a mother of four children and she was always like there providing us with a support and supportive education and even though he's not a woman but my dad has was always been there supporting that part they really worked as a team mm -hmm. so I always had like that positive role model mm -hmm. very early on and I had two older sisters that I have always looked up to but to inspire me to become a teacher I knew that very early on uh, second grade actually was when I knew that I wanted to be a teacher. So I had an amazing second grade teacher. Her name was Miss Abadie. Mm. I still remember I talk about her every time someone has asked me what sparked your interest in teaching. And I think it comes, Miss Abadie had like a very fun, cool, like very nurturing way in her classroom. And I, I remember thinking like, I have the best teacher. I'm so lucky. <laughs> very little. And I'm going to date myself, but when I was in second grade, teachers and students can see each other outside of school. She would take mm. me to her house for lunch. Mm. Like, I thought that was the coolest thing. I still remember eating lunch with my second grade teacher and wanting to impact students. So allowing me to have lunch with her was seeing that she was like a real person. So I carry those kind of beliefs into my field of education now like I do that with my students so yeah I was about to say that like it's kind of like you literally took everything that second grade you wanted and like I have the same experience with you like taking selfies in class like that was like a big deal for me because every teacher wasn't like strict but like just stuck to the work you know like their job you know but like you really cared about your students and having fun too and I think like that mixture and that like I guess showing kids that you're human too was something that impacted not only me, but like other kids that I know who also had you, you know, like, I don't know, no one who could say anything bad about you, you know, like, if they do, I know I have you there to defend me. I, I'll be right there, ready, ready for them. And so, yeah, like another question, I guess it's kind of like piggybacks off of what we just said, but like. How are you so effective at teaching, connecting with students, educating your students, empowering them, like especially girls, like amazing role model, and then in communities where, you know, we're underserved and where people um, can like, you know, place stereotypes, premeditated stereotypes that they already have. And then once a student does, we were just talking about this, but like once a student does something wrong, the stereotype comes in their head, rightfully so, you know, but like, how did you, I guess, kind of curve, like, you know, pre-connotations? Pre so this, okay, 
let me see, let me start with when I started teaching, I was fresh out of college. Mm -hmm. So that was 22 years old. And I looked at teaching like, oh, I'm just going to go in. I'm going to make a difference. We're going to have fun. I'm going to do projects. (laughs) And, you know, I like loved going to college for teaching. I loved the philosophy behind it. But just to be in the classroom and sitting on the floor in circle groups and, you know, doing projects with them. I was looking really forward to all of that, right? And when I first started teaching, my first job was a third grade teacher to students who did not speak English. Mm. And I was beside myself. I was, did not know what I was going to do. I was like, oh, my God, they're not going to understand me. We have such a language barrier. They were primarily um, from Bangladesh, Uzbekistan, Russia, Mexico. So we had such a diverse population, so many different languages. And I had to communicate third grade curriculum. And that's when I realized I'm going to have to think outside the box now. How am I going to inspire them and encourage them? Because when they came to this country that young, and I know this now because I speak to some of them who have are in college. So yeah. I now know what it was like as a third grader through their eyes because they share that story with me today. Like yeah. Currently. And we would just do things that encourage not just academics, but just acceptance. So... I found that to be the biggest effective way, the strongest effective way that I was able to reach them. I respect them starting with the smile. So when they used to come in, we didn't even have that good morning language yet. I mean, yeah. these were very, very beginner speakers. So um, good morning was a smile and a wave. And when that grew to them doing something positive, uh, you know, a clap, when they started to communicate, having them come in, they would bring things from their culture and traditions. I, I remember the girls coming in with henna when it was their holiday. And mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about this. Again, I was fresh out of college. Like I didn't have much diverse cultural experiences. And they wanted to do henna for me. And then they would explain that. So to me, that openness and respect for, for them grew for them to take the risk to talk because now they were interested in the topic. And by the end of the year, they were reading leveled readers, like English books, writing in English. I was amazed that I then kept saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to teach ESL again because I saw so much growth. And I did that for a few years. And I saw how just giving the students like the opportunity to be themselves and and taking away, it's probably weird that as a teacher, I'm going to say this, but taking away that academic piece early on and just letting them know that they were in a safe environment gave them the ability to then succeed academically yeah because i think being a students like schools are kind of our whole lives you know like now that i'm older maybe it's not as much but elementary school middle school i literally thought that if i messed up end of the world i still do sometimes you know just school is our whole being and you know so sometimes making it a little less pressure i know it helped i do think that you're right school is so important education is important but in a school and in my classroom i always felt like that's not the only thing i'm looking for a hundred on your test or 90 average obviously i want i want you to be successful but you can't 
expect uh, the students to be successful in the classroom that is not cultivating to love and not nurturing the environment. So yeah. I, I always find myself saying to teachers, who, people who are studying teaching or new teachers or like whenever I have conversations with my colleagues or my friends, my family, because I talk about teaching all the time. Even 19 years later, I still at dinner tell stories about my students. So I always say just knowing that person is a human. Yeah. Um, so I taught in that school ESL of like a good 11 years. And then I transferred to PS78, right? Right. And that was a different challenge. It wasn't really language. They had um, other challenges within their community and yeah. getting parental involvement and certain behaviors that I didn't have in my first 11 years teaching, I started having that when I was being a teacher at PS78. And I just used the same mentality that I did when I first started teaching, which was take a step back and like really show the students that you respect them and get to know them. So we built such a rapport. My first year, I went teaching from third grade to fourth grade to fifth grade with them. I didn't want them, I didn't want to really leave them. Wait, so. that was me. That was yeah, our class. Yeah, it was your class because it was, at first I was like, wow, like it's a class I have to rearrange how I'm going to teach. And then I realized, no, I don't. I just have to remember that their challenge is not, that's not language. It's something else. And I could still be who I am and how I like to teach, which my style of teaching is, it's very calm and it's very um, forgiving on both ends, like when I do wrong, I like to tell the students I'm doing wrong. Oops, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like lose it right now. I need to regroup or give me a minute. I'm really just trying to think about what just happened and giving the kids time to reflect and and doing what I did when I was in second grade. We eat lunch together. It's yeah. been a thing I've done my whole career. We come up at lunch and we kind of hang out and I get to watch the children be children and then I know he likes this kind of music and she likes that. And this child is a good drawer. Some things you just don't learn just by doing reading and math. And you, you know, you need to have, see the child as a whole child. And that has always been my way of being effective with students and seeing them grow. You know, it's funny you said that because maybe this is why I like the teacher so much, but I had a teacher, I told you about her and like, unfortunately she ended up leaving but I liked her a lot and she would she didn't have friends at the school yet so me and some of my other friends we helped with the office during our lunch and I would sometimes go up there and just sit with her at lunch and she would tell us stories about her sons and stories about this and just you know kind of humanize like like know each other you know so then when I would have class I think I had math twice a day which was a lot but I was able to the work was easier to do because I had a relationship with her and I was able to tell my other classmates, hey, she is human too. Like, you know, it was that whole thing, like, chill out, first of all, you know, like, she's a human. And I think that when, like, students and teachers, I guess, understand each other better, it makes, like, with a smoother classroom, you know, like, I think maybe, like, that's what it is, right? I, I really agree with everything you said, especially the humanizing part, because you're the adult in the classroom as a teacher. So right away, you're looked at as like, oh, you're in charge. And like, you're the like the end all be all. You're not supposed to make mistakes. And you're not supposed to get upset. And you're supposed to know everything that we're about to learn. And 
I'm not a superhero, although in the eyes of some children, maybe they see their, their teachers at that, which is awesome. I, I love that view, but I don't know everything, and I'm going to make mistakes, just like children do. I, I do think sharing personal stories, I do that with my students all the time. I, if I do something fun over the weekend with my daughter, I, I show them the video. I'm like, oh, look what my daughter did today. Or if I just see my nephews at a basketball game, I'm like, oh, my, my nephew got MVP. Or like whatever it is, I like to share that reality because it sparks other conversation. It lets them know she's human. She doesn't sleep in the school. She doesn't <laughs> like live here. She, you know, I tell them where I go on the weekend, what stores I like to shop in. And it just, it helps have more of a conversation that when I do need cooperation, or I, I do need them to buckle down and, and get an assignment done. They see me as that person and not someone who is necessarily superior and has to know it all, but yeah. someone who's there to support them and guide them. And I'll say, okay, we can talk about that later. But right now, Ms. Lamano really needs you to focus on this. And they know I'm going to get back to them on whatever that is because we've already built a foundation like that. I think that's really, really important. Right. So has you have you found it a little bit challenging to like have the same relationship with your students now during the pandemic, especially because you deal with like elementary school children who can't always explain exactly how they're feeling and articulate their emotions and their. Yeah. Like, has it been a little bit harder? So I was very upset about obviously everything going on with the pandemic but knowing that school was going to be impacted the way it was because i am such a hands-on teacher teaching through a screen was not in my vision and i was really resistant to any and any understanding of it so when we set up our classrooms to come back to school I was so excited about everything new. I was like, I'm starting new. It's going to be a great year. I just couldn't. I was excited. I knew there was going to be a lot of restrictions in place, like, you know, to modify and make sure that we were, you know, maintaining our social distancing and, and being healthy and, and watching, you know, um, our hygiene. and everything. I knew that was all going to happen, but I was just so excited to have them in the room. And then I think it was like the first like week of school, it was announced that we were going to be delayed opening. And we had to be remote. Yes. And I remember a true story. I came home and I cried. I was like, I can't do this. I need to have my kids in front of me. And I, I usually sit in a circle. And then we talk about our summer. And I'm not going to be able to do that on a computer. How am I going to manage everyone talking? And and I just remember feeling so overwhelmed. And all of my friends, teacher friends, we this thank God for friends and family yeah. that got to listen to me vent and rant. And I remember signing on and seeing so many excited faces to see a new teacher. And I was like, oh, they're excited. Like, I need to embrace this. So did I create a bond like I do in the classroom right away? No, that was that didn't happen right away. But over time, it did because I did have remote students and then in person. And I was able to still learn a little bit about them because they would share what they were liking at, what they were doing at home and what challenges they were having. And their challenges were similar to my challenges, not getting to know me or not seeing my friends. So we were able to create a relationship like that. And I learned from them. I mean, I have to tell you, I have fifth graders and their technology and what they can do 
they school me. They, <laughs> they have taught me. They've advanced me. Last year, I was just like barely sharing a screen on Google Meet. I didn't know what I was <laughs> doing in March. I didn't learn to things like that. This year, they tell me, oh, return that document to me. Or you can edit it. You can annotate on the screen. I'm oh. like, what? <laughs> how, do I, I, how do you know all this? And they, they grew with the times. I was just being resistant to learning new things because <laughs> I was upset. But I used the time to bond in that way where now I can say, well, you taught Miss Milano something. So see, we don't know everything. So I'm yeah. super proud of all of the children at whatever age, elementary, high school, middle school, because it's been challenging and, you know, them rising to the occasion to sign on, do their work, not have the same interactions. It's all a challenge. So I give kudos to them too. Yeah, I forgot to tell you, but like recently I've been, me and my friend, we were, there's like this bring change to mind um, club in my school that um, that we're working on. And I, me, me and my friend, we thought that like, so our school is such a small school, A, and then B, we all had really close relationships with each other. We didn't have to be all in the same friend group. We would, even if we had a friend group, like my friend group specifically, we would, we had like sub friend groups. Like sometimes we would go and leave and hang out with these kids, you know, just like that real like school community. And the ninth graders didn't get that. I knew like my, during like um Zoom classes, me and my friends, don't even talk to each other it's like we're not even in the same room it's like it just feels so weird you know we all know each other we would if in person we would all be talking chatting hanging but now it's like on to the next zoom or like we just don't talk to each other so we thought that it would be nice so that the ninth grade students have never seen each other in the flesh or even without a mask or anything the kids in my school we don't cut our cameras on like it's just kind of kind of sad so we were like okay let's do something where we can get all the ninth graders together so that they can just talk about each other no school i don't want to hear the word school mentioned outside of the fact that it's a school club and a pro and an event from the school but other than that your favorite show bond over that make friends they don't they don't have friends from their school and they're about to be in 10th grade you know like um i never got to finish freshman year in person and like all of this is really affecting all the kids you know and i just feel so bad and i'm happy that like the elementary school kids are finding some joy you know um we yeah. try to do something similar like with the children by having like little virtual get-togethers mm -hmm. um during christmas time like we had um like a movie night mm. so like everybody from home and then i put together with some of the other teachers like hot chocolate and they came to school for a drive-by pickup of hot chocolate, chips, juice. We put a little goodie bag together and then they were supposed to like go home and have like their snack online with us. Um, and it's because you wanna try to keep the relationship between the in-person and the remote students. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm teaching grade, so these children are, this is their last year, so they will be going into junior high. So you wanna give them something memorable and also to keep those social skills. Cause like you said, like that's such a good point. You're signing into one Zoom. It's not like that in elementary school. We teach all of the subjects. Oh, yeah, yes, yes. So when you have to sign off, I can see that being a challenge. Like, so you don't have to talk in the hallway, which normally if you're switching classes. Right, you yeah. You teach in the hallway. So I, I can see how that affects students' social abilities mm -hmm. because 
who you going to FaceTime if you're a ninth grader and you really didn't have friends anyway? So who are you going to call later? Yeah. You friends yet. Yeah. Like, me and my fr- my friend, one of my friends, she's still scared. Like, she did come to school later and, like, the school ended right when she transferred. But still, like, she knows us. You know, she knows me and I know everybody. And I'm like, you're going to be fine. Every day we're on the phone she's like... I don't think I can go back. I can't go back because we have PSATs and it's in person. And she's like, I can't go back. I'm scared. I'm nervous. I'm I'm like, it's okay. But like, that's a 10th grader who has friends who know everybody and everything. Imagine how kids who've never set foot in the school building, never like, it's just so, so weird, overwhelming. I don't know. You know, speaking of that, um, what kind of advice can you give parents and students and and other teachers who are struggling during the pandemic (laughs) do some of those during the day they help besides the deep breaths you have to let out the too because (laughs) that's human nature well you know we're gonna get frustrated we're going to feel successful and then we're going to feel like we didn't do enough and then Mm. we're going to feel sad because we feel like we're missing out and then we're going to feel stressed because we didn't get something done. And that's a teacher. That's a parent. That's a student. I think we're having, at some point, we've all experienced one of those type of emotions. Yeah. It's been a, like a year now, right? Mm-hmm. So Officially. at some point, we've had to have ups and then we've had to have downs. I can't imagine anyone was high having great moments the whole time. Yeah. Um, so my advice, really, and I, I'll get to give advice. I'm not saying I always have always taken my own advice, <laughs> but really try to be patient with yourself as well as with your child or the students in your class because it could be a bad day for that person. It could be a good day for you, but it could yeah. be a bad day for them. So just because you're reflecting in that day and it's, your lesson is going great as a teacher and you're fully prepared to teach it, that might not be the day that the student is also having that joyous moment and feeling positive. So we have to like really be patient with it and be honest about what is happening so that you could have a conversation. You could go into a breakout room if you're remote, if you notice something is off, maybe they're like in our in fifth grade, we all keep our cameras on. Mm-hmm. Part of we ask them to do. It's hard to teach a little box with an initial. Mm-hmm. So they put. If you notice the child's not turning on their camera, and it's something is going on, or maybe they're dazing out the window when you know, maybe like in person kids. Like I notice that they take their mask down a lot when they're getting feeling some type of way. Like it's a check in. It's. But the same way we need each our friends and family to check in with us as adults, you yeah. have to check in with um, children of all ages. I don't want to leave out high school students. <laughs> sometimes they'll say like, oh, they're in high school. They can communicate better. But I think it's just as they have their times too. It's just as important to recognize um, that they're humans and taking deep breaths and being patient and trying to use your words when you have even if the words are i need a minute i need to sign off right now or i'm turning my camera off because i'm starting to get a headache from the screen like whatever it is like be open with your communication parent teacher student i think that just helps helps us all get along and get through each of the days i'm happy you said that recently i had like that moment where like this marking period i was just completely like not 
good. Like, I can't, you know, like, you know, you know, like the separation between church and state when they're talking about government. Like, I needed that with school, like separation between like home school. Like we had that because you left your house, you went to school, you see new faces. You and if you don't like school, you go to school, you go home, you see your bedroom. No, I'm in my bedroom all day. I see my kitchen. I see my dog like, hey, I like you. I love you, dog but you're annoying too you know like we don't get that anymore and that was like the main thing when the pandemic first started i'm like i can't breathe like i feel like i cannot breathe in here i have to i need to get out and we couldn't like there was literally nowhere you can go you could take a walk but it just nothing felt eventually walks got boring walks got boring too yeah like now i stay i stay inside it's just like so confusing and when they say that you know high school students should communicate better i normally do but this marking period i didn't and you know it reflected in my grades and they weren't as good as they normally were so i had to reach out to my teachers like okay hey i'm sorry for not communicating a b this is what was going on and c i need your help and i think that being able to say that is like the most important the most important thing you know Having the person on the other side listen is important because, right? You know, uh, well, speaking like I'll put the teacher hat on for a minute. You're mm-hmm. we're in the zone where okay, the marking period is coming to an end, and you know this child knew that they had um two weeks to do the project. You know, yeah. this is like a teacher internal talk. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I need to have this done. It's supposed to be graded. I reached out already. Okay? And then putting on the student's point of view, it's like, I know, but I had four classes and you weren't the only class that expected the assignment. Yeah. And, you know, so I think that that's why the communication is important because in my zone, as mm-hmm. a teacher, I'm only thinking about my ELA class right now. I'm forgetting that there's social studies. I'm forgetting the student had, you know, a project to do in science. And until that comes communicated to me, I can't, I take a step back and I'm like, oh, you know what? You were just as overwhelmed as me when I was trying to do a race grade. Like, so yeah. I, I think the communication and getting, I think that the communication this year, if if it was done, I don't want to say correctly, but like um, if, it, if it was done, period, if it was done between the students and the teachers, could have really helped build relationships because we are having that common bond yeah. of being overwhelmed. So I think it, it could help even the students to see the way the teachers are. Like, yeah. Oh, wow, they, have, they have a lot too. Yeah, like, like I want to see you stressed out too. I want to know if, like, I'm, like, I think kids feel like, hey, it's just me. These teachers just don't get it. But I don't think it, you know, I know my mom has a lot of friends who are teachers, you know. And, like, sometimes I hear them on the phone and, like, they're stressed. You know, like, you get the other side, the other perspective from the teachers. And I think... You know, like, that's important. Oh, another question I have is more geared towards, you know, it being Women's History Month still and all of that. Have you ever experienced misogyny or anything like that in the education, like, with your career? Because I do know, like, um, education, there is a lot of women, you know, but do you, have you ever experienced that? Um, I don't think so. I mean, not, I don't have any really, like, any experience that I could, I'm remembering right now, no. That is 
literally any other career path for women, they will be saying the absolute opposite. I found it like, I don't know, but I kind of found it comforting a little bit that there was finally like a predominantly woman job, you know, I think for some reason felt good because it's finally somewhere where you can see like women successful, you know, and like in their own zone and in their own place, I guess. Um, you know, it's funny because I, you do say that as about a, a predominantly woman career. Mm-hmm. And I do see that in the elementary schools, predominantly women, and then in the middle schools and the high schools, sometimes there's more men in that job. I, yeah. think, I think more men need to be in the elementary level as well. I mean, I Me would too. love to see more um, men taking on those roles because... Children look up to their, a lot of times, look up to their teacher. So it's nice to just not only have that woman um, figure, but also for them to have a male figure. Yeah. Um, Especially for students who are coming from homes where they're not in, they don't have both parents present. Yeah. So you're missing um, your mom or your dad and your teacher is uh, a man or a female and you can make that bond. It's, It's very supportive and it helps them throughout their education career like when you know that you have a person in the building that you're in like oh you know what I really I took to this male teacher because you know he he also likes basketball and I can play with him and I you know and you have that person you know you have someone to go to the next five years in the elementary school six years right right so I would like to see the the fields be expanded more and not that I don't think that it's not available just if they're interested in in doing that yeah You know, it's actually funny you said that because, hey, my mom just, like, said that. We we, we kind of had a conversation before this. But a little <laughs> bit. But, like, that was a big deal for her, for my brother. And then one of my eighth grade teachers, eighth grade was one of the first times I had two guy teachers. And I was so excited for that because they do have, like, a little bit of a different vibe a little bit. So one of my, they were both, like, really, really nice, A, and B, one of my teachers, he um he was so kind to me. He was my English teacher, and then English was my favorite subject. And so at that point, um, I think I did something, and he was disappointed. And for some reason, I, that hurt my feelings so much. I was like, he's disappointed in me. And then like he had a daughter around my age too, so it was like such a big deal for me, you know. And I think like that was one of the things I noticed having teachers of. Diff- like getting to know their backgrounds and just kind of back to like what you said earlier, openness and like, you know, communication between teacher and student. It's kind of like the same as child and parent a little bit. Like, you know, communicating with your children, like what you used to deal with when you were younger, you know, just you know, all that. When you have a connection with your teachers and they use the disappointed <laughs> word, that really affects the child, the child, the student, because they're like, not that teacher. I that teacher gets along with me now. I disappointed him or her, and I know that. I know that from even with my daughter. Like if I use the word disappointed, that hurts her more than you're not watching TV. I didn't, yeah, I didn't. like I don't know why it does. Like, but like the the disappointed card. Like, why do you <laughs> have to use that card? Like, that hurts. It's like I don't know what it is. I'm gonna like Google and figure something out about that. Because that's just, like, the most hurtful statement ever. Not in, like, a bad way, like, trying to hurt you. So upset. So 
So yeah. that actually is a testament to the, the relationship you have with the person that you disappointed. Yeah, because you value if you really respect them. And value that person. You wouldn't care if you disappointed them, right? Right. So being in tune with the fact that oh wow, I really am upset that that happened. That means like I must really admire or value what this teacher brings to the table that I even feel disappointed. Right, so another question, this isn't on the list, but we had a conversation before this, and I really thought it was important. Like, I guess that conversation as to student-teacher relationships, and especially when teachers come from different backgrounds, and sometimes they just don't know how to connect with their students. So... I guess I can tell them a little about a little bit about Miss Lamano is like she's like a really really good teacher but like hands on and like has a builds a relationship with all of her students and I think kids are more receptive to her and like even kids who weren't in her class would come to her class and connect with her remember you know we were we were just talking about this so I guess you can like kind of share with them what you shared with me and our conversation okay so i think connecting with my students even like you just finally said that students i didn't even have it comes from a, a few different areas one where i i do feel that if the student can have a safe learning environment i strong i've said this from when i was 22 years old when i cut out of college and we had to write our own education philosophy I'm very big believer in having like a safe learning environment and safe doesn't only always mean like in the sense of non-violent safe is a safe way to explore a safe space to speak your mind a safe space to feel like i have someone i can go to so safe in a very general aspect of oh this is a place where i am almost six hours out of the day sometimes longer if i'm here for after school yeah. and that is a person i know that i can cry to but I can also celebrate with. So I, I do really feel strongly about that being the foundation of the classroom. Sometimes I'm silly. Mm-hmm. So I like to be silly with my students because it gets them to open up. If they could see a grown, a grown adult break down and like dance a little bit in the classroom or be goofy or put a song on that like they didn't think I would even listen to. I love when they're shocked that I listen to the same music. Oh my God. <laughs> they're like, you don't know that song. Or like now, you know, and last year and this year, like if I know a TikTok that like blows their minds. So doing things like that help us embrace each other. So if I do a TikTok with my students and I have done this, and I'm not that good at them, but <laughs> I embarrassed myself enough to do it. It's fine. I don't mind. It just lets them know, like, oh, okay, like, this is person, she's a human being. So we can goof around. We can have our snacks together. Um, The caring aspect, children really early on can sense who cares about them and who's just there. And that is just something I've noted. So naturally, as a caregiver, before I even had my daughter, I... um, I felt like I just wanted to care for, take care of people, right? And then, then I had my nephews. Well, my sisters had my nephews, <laughs> and, and I didn't have them. But once my nephews were born, my uh, actually my outlook on teaching was drastically changed because I remember thinking, like, does a teacher talk to them like that? Does a teacher help them? 
do my nephews feel welcome? Like I started to feel like I needed to reflect teaching even more to be like what I wanted my nephews to experience. Mm-hmm. And then I had my daughter and the mamba bear came out. So every time something would happen at school, even if it didn't involve my students, and people can tell you, sometimes I just know things that are going on in the building and I don't know why I know them. Like, just, yeah. just, it's, it's like, how did you find that out? Weren't you in class? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know, but that kid told me. I saw him in the bathroom. Like, So I took on this very, everything I reflect on is very much, well, do I want Mia? to be spoken to like that and do I want Mia to experience that and do I so I always go back to that to put me in check as the teacher yeah because I know that the kids I'm teaching are children to a a mom and a dad right they have a family so the way I feel about my daughter and being so overprotective and like being the mother of bear to her and being um in tune to that is the same way another person feels about the child that's sitting in my classroom, right? Yeah. So they send them to school with these attentions that are happening. So if I don't reflect on my teaching or reflect on my behaviors as a teacher, what I said, sometimes I have to do that too. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I do that often. I reflect within the day. It's happening. It's like my mind is moving. After I say something, I might go, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said it like that. that is that the right way to say it? I have to check in. I don't know if the child got upset. Let me talk to them later about that. Like, you're always like thinking, like, did I did I get my point across? And did they grow from that, or did I hurt their feelings? Because as adults, sometimes we say things or our voice. We say things, and like we don't we don't realize that we just upset a student, but that's not our intention, right? I didn't get to come to work for that. So, I just think it's all about like my whole idea of it is reflect, remember that those children those babies that are in your room are they going to grow up they're at some point they're middle school age and they're changing hormones and they're high schoolers and they think they're ready to take on the world like we're still as the teacher fostering their love for education so we have to always reflect on how we are delivering that to them so that's pretty much like encompasses like everything i do socially emotionally before the academic piece comes in i think like i think that sometimes i said it now i'm thinking about it it's kind of like i thought it was a philosophy for politics but now it just feels like it's kind of like a idea for pretty much everything in life like when you have a job and how you carry yourself with the job and how you respond with the job is how it's just a reflection of who you are as a person and i think like the way you teach is also reflective of just you your morals your experiences your perspective pun intended and just like everything with that like i feel like maybe that's why because i was always just wondering like why can't more teachers be like miss lamano and just vibe with the kids and then the kids with like you know cause and effect you're nice to me i'm nice to you just one big nice you know happy school family but like you know there is but you are going to have people that are not yeah. um receptive to like and, and i see it as teachers too and there are days i'm sure i have my days and people can say that you know i'm perfect so i'm there are plenty of times that i can stand corrected as well but i think that um you'll have you'll meet people along the along the roads that 
in your whole life journey that you don't click with yeah. or you don't vibe with, right? You're like, mm, that person's not for me. And I have given this advice actually to my nephew. My sisters like said, you know, when the boys get older, this is before I had my daughter, mm-hmm. not to myself, uh, they're not going to get along with every teacher. Not every teacher is going to think they're, they're cute or they're smart. And they're wrong, of course, but that's true. You know, that's true. We won't always have that connection with every person. So we have to like look like look at them. And there are times I don't I can say I don't always connect with the student. Like I can't I can't get past something. Like we're not we're not making this connection that I'm used that I'm used to making. And I I'll get upset at it. I'm like, I don't know, I can't break through with this kid. Like, you know, I gotta keep peeling the layers off the onion and figure out what's going on here. <laughs> so just knowing that it's in this relationship, and this person that I'm not really getting along with right now, or I don't love their way that they're teaching and I'm definitely not going them for them for help know that that's that person right that's the moment that moment can pass the next year you can have somebody else so the same way in life you just kind of like look at people for who they are what am I here for what's your purpose here oh you're the social studies teacher they were bonding over that and I'm gonna move on in life and then the people that you do bond with you just keep them longer on your journey keep them with yeah I think like it's like, hmm, what was I about to say? I don't know. I was going to say something I forgot. But, like, I just think that, like, sometimes we, as, like, students, kind of forget that teachers are teachers, you know? And, like, they're humans. And, like, they're, you know, we're all humans. Like, kids, of course, they're, like, tiny humans. But, like, you know, they're still humans. still normal. Still living, breathing, and having emotions and um sometimes I think I don't know sometimes teachers forget you know and like also and I sometimes I kind of felt like some teachers were just there for the job you know which some teachers maybe that is true for some some teachers I guess just care a little bit a little bit more and I think you're just one of those teachers you know tell them one of your stories you have a lot but just like one of your um one of my my caring stories yeah so I don't really, because we're like on a recording, I won't actually name students, Okay. but, um, and I'll actually go outside of PS78. This way we can't actually relate any of it back. But okay. I had a student back when I worked in Brooklyn who uh, didn't live with his mom and he only lived with his dad and in New York, but his mom lived down South. And I remember early on, mm-hmm. this was my I want to say fourth or fifth year I was teaching, celebrating Mother's Day. So we used to make Mother's Day cards in school and Father's Day cards. And we just did that because we knew that Sunday was coming and, oh, let's make Mother's Day cards. And maybe because I didn't have nephews and or I didn't have my own daughter, I never, I didn't really even think, like, maybe someone doesn't have a mom. I just took that for granted that everybody had both parents. Even, odd oh, to say, because I didn't grow up with both my parents in the same household, so... <clears throat> should have been more like sensitive to that and he was just making me a card for mother's day Aww. and i thought that was so sweet i was like oh that's so sweet thank you but like we can make mommy a card and he was like just not really communicating so i went over to him because always when you go meet a child at their level they seem to communicate more than like across the room right and he then said i don't have my mom she doesn't live here she lives in north carolina Mm. So I said, oh, okay. Now, we were making cards with, I forget, crafts. I was doing a craft with them. It might have been a keychain. 
it was some kind of craft. I, I'm blanking out right now. And I said, that's all right. Do you talk to mom? I talked to mom. I said, okay, do you know where mom lives? Um, yeah, I know where mom lives. So it's where I used to live when I lived in North Carolina. I said, oh, this is mm-hmm. what we're going to. We're going to make mom the gift. And I'm going to going to bring it to the post office. And we're going to send it to North Carolina. So she still gets a Mother's Day gift. So I talked, you know, with the dad, of course, because I wanted to make sure it was okay that I was sending something to the mom. And it was. And that act of letting him know, like, you could still be connected in the activity that we're doing here. And I'll figure out a way to make that connection happen for you. Gave us such a strong bond. We spoke for years after. I've lost touch with him now, but years after because he took that as okay, the teacher's invested and she's willing to like go the extra steps. That is crazy because I had the same experience with you one time. We have a lot, but like the whole like parent day cards things so like when i had like father's day i didn't like it it was me and another kid we both just didn't like father's day no offense dad if you're listening but we just so you let me do like uncle's day and i used to like make yeah i used to make the cards for my uncle like a little basketball on it you know so it was just like i guess catering to like each kid's situation you know so I think, like, that's, like, a really important thing, you know? And, like, I don't know, like, just, like, little things like that are what make kids want to learn, you know, a little bit. Yeah, being, being, um, I mean, I, now I'd be, I am more in tune to, like, different types of families that exist, right? Yeah. I don't, I'm very careful now. I don't always go, go home and let mom sign this because home life for everyone could be different. So I always say, like, when you get home and you talk to the person who is in charge of your house and who takes care of your schoolwork, I leave it very open so that no one feels like, well, that's not me. I don't have that mom. Yeah. You know? <laughs> dad, right? So I guess I don't have to be participating because, you know, she said mom and I don't. You know. so yeah, why I kids learned- do that? <laughs> so do technical. That. That's how I learned never to say it because I got taught about myself. Yes. <laughs> I had to learn that that was not what to do. So, like I said, that's part of the reflecting. Like, you realize, okay, well, you can't say that because not everybody, and they'll take you literal. Yeah. Participate or won't come to a function that you say, like, you know, you come to the father-daughter dance. Oh, Uh, that's I'm not coming because I don't have a dad. And, like, I I don't. I I, did that. I hated them. (laughs) Whereas, you know what? You could come with your gosh father, with your uncle you come with your older brother yeah. you could come with anyone that represents the love that you have that you want to celebrate today with everybody else it's more open-ended you know yeah so i think that that again is part of just like reflecting knowing your community and who you're working with and disclosing a lot of information i, I mean the parents that i work with now a lot many i won't say all but so many of them have my personal cell phone number. I know that was like years ago, people would think that was crazy. It's just <laughs> cell phone number, but for me, it takes away another barrier of communication. Uh, the stupid little, what do you call it? Oh, you know, the- Smoke alarm? Yeah, smoke alarm, sorry. So yeah, um, all of that. You can text me, I could text parents, yeah. I can, they call my phone. I know that, that maybe some people like to have bit more boundaries i definitely blur the line (laughs) of boundaries and a parent calls me when they get home from work at 6 30 to question something about school 
I speak to them because that might be the availability because we have working families and I need to stay in contact with you. And if texting me is the easiest way during the day to get me to know something about your child or vice versa, I'm, I'm very open to that. You know what? Here's my number. I'm not worried about you calling me on the weekend or making inappropriate phone calls. I'd rather know that we have an open communication, which also really helps with teaching because yeah. those children then know, well, she knows my house number. Yeah. Send a video. And I do those things on the spot. And I build that relationship with the families to let them know we, we're in this together. This yeah. is not school. And, and then my home life begins. Like, we communicate together. Then the, the child is going to benefit that. It's like a parental relationship, right? Yeah. I want to tell everybody. So... Um, just to let you guys know how selfless Miss Lamano is, when I was younger, I had like a, I don't know, what do we call it? I was just being, I guess, a kid. Oh, no, no, you had challenges? Yes, I had challenges. <laughs> and I was like not listening to my mom, like performing how I was supposed to. And my mom was like, um, I don't know what to do with this kid. So then my mom was like, I think I might have to take her out of the school, you know? And then Miss Lamano was like, Yeah. And then I just found that out today, you know, and like I was so sad leaving, you know, but I was not doing what I was supposed to do. And I left and I haven't been like a challenging kid since debatable. But, you know, I don't think I have been. I think maybe like typical challenges. Yeah, typical challenges, but not as how I was back then. And like Miss Lamana was like, yeah, like let her go. And, you know, what is the word? I guess encouraged yeah encouraged that for me instead of just saying this is my student i want to keep my student you know and i found that like really important and really speaks well, that to how was very, that conversation that i remember having with your mom and again was parental communication we had such great open communication i had with your mom i remember talking to her leading up to different ways that we can support you and it wasn't in isolation and your mom knew that she can call me and I could call her vice versa when there were things happening. So yeah. that decision of when you left 78 was like a parental decision with the teacher. And it just showed like how strong we valued what each other, what we both wanted, which was success. And if you weren't getting get it where you were and something was blocking you there or be a barrier for you, I supported mom's decision. I didn't like it as a teacher because you excelled in the class and you were like a joy to have. But Thank I knew you. that not being in the classroom and maybe going to a different school and then taking away whatever situations were hindering you there could have helped you be successful. So I had to put that aside and say, okay, I support you in that, but I will not lose touch with you either. Yeah. How many years later? Yeah, see you guys? It's, um, how old am I? I'm going to be 16. I feel so old. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, you know, like that... It meant a lot, and, like, still, like, if anybody ever asked me who's my favorite teacher, it was Miss Lomano. Granted, I did get two years with you. Supposed to be three. But you're my teacher for two years in a row. Not everybody has that. And I loved every minute of it. Thank you. And when I didn't, I took a deep breath instead. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Oh, also, something that I briefly wanted to put in the podcast. You were talking about, like, the food deserts in the community you teach in. I used to live over there, I know, and now I live somewhere else. It's 
completely different little backstory so the school that I used to go to and the school that Miss Lon teaches in it's in like a what do you call it, low income community and so everywhere around the students there's no good food healthy food choices were not ex accessible still aren't like bodegas back to back um just food and high cholesterol just things that aren't good for communities and then in other communities there's like two huge grocery stores on the same block like i go to the store sometimes for my mom and it's like which one are you going to they're literally both three minutes away from my house it wouldn't even matter you know so like certain things like that i feel like are should be accessible and that's something that miss lamano fights for in the students and that just goes to show like how much she cares about her students caring about their living um situations what they have to for their health um it's an issue in like black communities across the nation but specifically for our school that school my old school is definitely a challenge do you see it like in the students is it i do i see it when they bring their little black bags from the bodega and their <laughs> high sugar drink and their honey buns and they call that lunch yeah and, um it's something that even like when i talk with parents of making like healthy choices and encouraging the students to bring like you know fruit and crackers and water to because it, it is known that you want to give some the, your children nutrition to fuel the body right and it is something that I have, I do notice that the accessibility to supermarkets and pharmacies, it's, it is limited. And um, I, I definitely would love to see something like that change and our community leaders come together because that is a part of enhancing the community, giving them options and giving the community members a place to go to have better choices and not have four or five quick delis to shop in where you're paying double the amount of money and a quarter of the choices to make. Right. So. And then also, like, teachers are role models. So back when I was in your class, you would eat healthy. And, like, it was so subconscious, I guess, because now my mom's trying to go vegan. And I'm like, there's other, like, like you don't have to miss meat. You know, like, you don't have to try to replicate me and, you know, the whole situation when everybody's trying to go vegan you know and i'm like hey miss lamano used to eat pretzel chips i see those in the grocery store all the time hummus i i don't like hummus i don't know what i have against chickpeas i don't know what it is maybe it's the look maybe it's because michelle obama told the whole country that we we're supposed to eat healthy and all the good food that used to be in public schools are gone hint hint kind of y'all should really change that back but, you know, they would serve chickpeas at school. And, like, <laughs> it was, I just. I know, and on the tray, right, right in the corner, a scoop of just plain chickpeas. They just, have chocolate really? now. Really? Really? They have, like, cookies and stuff. They have, like, some fun stuff. Like, in the summer, you know, like, the little ice cups with the real fruit in it? Mm -hmm. Those are my favorite. I don't know where to get that, like, outside. Like, I don't want a smoothie. Like, I want that. And, like, I can't find it anywhere else. And they don't even, like, in high school, they don't even have it. I don't know where they just disappear to. Do you guys still have that in, like, elementary schools? Like, the fruit cups that were frozen with, like, 
strawberry? Chunks of fruit or just like the juice? With chunks of fruit in it. I don't know who's in charge of like the DOE's food choices, but sir, ma'am, they, I will find you and bring that back because it was so good and it was healthy, you know? Anyway, my last question are what are some changes that you would like to see in education, not just in New York City? Um, it could be all around the world. It can just be in our country, just in Staten Island, like whatever. Like, what are some changes, like you want to see? In the whole, in like the school system itself, and the education field. Yeah. Ooh, how much fun you got? No. So, I would like to see education be a priority. Yeah. Um, I do feel that, this, like the countrywide, it does need to, it does need to take a, a front seat, and it doesn't always. Um, more zoomed in on my 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 community and what I would like to see. Um, there needs to be more funded that gets funding that gets directly put into the school buildings. So mm. even when we talk about like, oh, we're going to get this grant and the, the federal government is giving the state this much, by the time we get through all the barriers and it filters down to the school, there's not a lot of that. And we can't bridge gaps in learning and take away barriers in learning without the financial support because you need to pay for the extra teacher to give the extra academic intervention service yeah. or you need, you know, the extra technology to be bought or maybe a Saturday program to be running. So, and all of that costs money. So even if you have great intentions, if you're not funded, that's not going to, you know, be possible. I'd also like to see, and I don't know if this is a long shot, but like just speaking in more um, I, diversity in our schools. So I mean, people might say like, I don't, I don't see that, but I look at schools because you go to your local public school, like mm -hmm. you're going to your community school, which is great because you could just like look there, right? Many students could just, especially in the elementary level, they look to their local school. So you're in the same community all the time. You're never really getting diversity. So whatever's, whatever population is in your community is what you're surrounded by. If, it, if your community is diverse, then you're, it, you're surrounded with a diverse population. But if it's not, as I, I do see in schools and different zip codes, then you're not really experiencing the culture that really New York City has. Right. Or like you get a culture shock in college or in high school and also to kind of debunk the whole high school idea too when kids from like three different local middle schools go to a local high school it's they're going to keep the same friends they're going to it's not really going to be like an integration between different people and like it's just going to be the same cliques and the same everything that's why i kind of was blessed to escape that cycle by going to a school in Manhattan that was offered to kids in every borough, but not every kid gets to go to schools like that. So if there was something to make kids, I don't know, bond and find places where they can all come together and not just like sticking your kid in a soccer team that it's other kids who it's just like kind of really hard a little bit, unless you're making them go somewhere that's really far and it's yeah that's really but i do I, I see that you're right like i feel like they don't have the 
availability or accessibility to being into different programs. That doesn't really happen until you go to middle school. Yeah, middle school. You start selecting, and then you start selecting, and, and it's like a lottery of schools because they have to let the children in their zone. Mm-hmm. And I understand the whole concept. Okay, I live here, and I have a right to go to the school. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. It's like, this is 10304. This is what the challenges we have. And then all the way on the South Shore, completely different. They're, they're like, maybe, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> if you had mixed together yeah the populations first of all you would break down a lot of um racism i think and discrimination because yeah. like, i think it's like almost like a forced segregation by having the zone school and redlining and meant, but i kind of feel like it might not meant to be that way but if you i don't live in 10304 i'm not going to 78 right right so yeah, like... how am i supposed to experience teachers like so i think i'm a good teacher but sometimes I don't feel like I'm making the most like academic progress because so many kids in the class have so many of the same challenges, right? Yeah. But if I had taken five and put those five in a school over here and they got some of that, like, you know how you went to 57 and you escaped what negativity you were seeing there? Yeah. Now, if I put five other children in here, they can like learn together yeah. about not just academically, but like behavior, socially, what's acceptable and how to talk to each other. The first time you're going to be like coexist on that level is middle school. Yeah. And then in middle school, it's like, I guess not, I don't know. It's a little different because now we're older and it's the same thing as high school a little bit. I feel like middle school is, I guess, true to the name, just like really so in the middle between both like ages, like, you're half still a baby, half getting older. And I guess this all kind of goes back to funding for schools, you know, because the next thing somebody's going to say is, well, we're going to get the money to bus students. Right. You know? And, and oh, what kind of mess that's going to create. And then people are going to say, like, I pay taxes in this neighborhood because I want my kids to go to this school and da da da. So when we look at even like the problems that we saw come up about since the summer, like racism has been all over the news like it's getting a lot like it's coming i feel like we're going back in time like i'm confused what's happening here like we're supposed to be moving forward but so much of this is coming back out and how do we really make any type of um moving forward without making some type of plan to do something so yeah i've talked so much but like no one's really looking at the the communities like i feel like isolating communities that's natural like i'm not saying we do it on purpose but years ago you were an immigrant, you came to an area where your family was, right? So, like, Italians kind of all grouped in one area. Yeah. And the Irish came, they grouped in one area, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, when I was in Brooklyn, like, 8th Avenue was, like, a lot of Asians. Yeah. Like, right? So, the school then, that in that area, is going to have mostly Asians, right? Yeah. The first time that they're going to be around a white person or a Jewish person or, like, is going to be when they apply for middle school or high school, I mean... That's a little bit of a shell shock. Or sometimes, that, literally, I think the episode before this one is my friend talking about just that, what consequences come from being in one neighborhood all your life, or one, like, even though she was Asian, and Asians are a minority, she never felt like a minority, because she was always only around Asians, and then she ends up having to reflect, because she was doing things that weren't necessarily kind and so then she's like 
oh snap am i racist am i this am i that like i didn't know you know so having kids being around i guess that was one this is one of the reasons why i'm even living in new york you know my mom wanted me to be in a diverse setting and then when you come to new york you realize it's not as it's very diverse in population but actually having the kids around each other you know and like some of it is just by not design but just the way things happen and other others come from redlining and from not letting people buy yeah it's just so many layers and then it comes that are connected in a way and it's really overwhelming but i guess that's why people say that you know fix the the system itself change it up because trying to change one pro if you fix the system everything else will kind of fall in line with tweaks here and there but I do feel like um, I have this conversation with my friends sometimes too. Like, you want to fix the system? That's huge. Like, because they they say to me like, "What education? You're trying to fix a whole system." And I'm like, "Yeah, whatever, I guess." But I, you really only can look at like a small area that you can impact. So, like, even something like your podcast right now, like, mm-hmm. that's fixing. That's 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 fixing. That's like bringing to light social issues and things that you want other people can talk about and have a conversation about and not be accused of oh if you have this conversation that means you're racist and uh, or you like oh you like trump you're racist or if you yeah. like this you're, like you're just having open conversation and sometimes the conversation leads to learning it doesn't necessarily mean that person felt that way it could be ignorance it could be i didn't know yeah you know, that was a thing like yeah and how do you get mad at someone for not knowing i had friends in the beginning of quarantine they had their moments where i was like that kind of feels a little racist but are they racist no they're a kids who are living in a household and that's just that they haven't experienced life yet they haven't moved out of the same house that they've been living in all their lives or they moved houses but they're in the same community um they have the same parents they'll always have the same parents so you gotta give kids a little room to grow and i just believed in that and adults too you know the whole cancel culture canceling people for I do think some things that people do are messed up and they should be held accountable for it. But then what does it mean to hold somebody accountable for it? Persecute them for that for the rest of their lives? And so it's just always a little tricky, but I really wanted perspective to be somewhere where anybody can share their opinions. So like having another teacher come on and say, hey, I don't think we should be so open with kids. Kids should stay in a kid's place. Kids shouldn't talk yeah. about their feelings. Hey. I disagree, but, you know, I still think that you're... I mean, that teacher, I'll debate them. Uh, oh. <laughs> you would eat them up. Yeah, that's no, okay I'm for people to have, definitely to have, like, their different... Yeah, and... Way, like, having that perspective, like, that model kind of works for me. Show me, I'm done. Yeah, and then, like, their opinion is rooted from somewhere, you know? It comes from something, it comes from someplace, and it holds value, too, you know? Like, I want to know why you think what you think i guess maybe this also comes from the fact that like i like criminal minds because i get to know why did this guy go and kill a whole bunch of people you know and then you notice that it was because when they were younger they dealt with this type of trauma and i and then it also reminded me i noticed this in a in a episode of criminal minds it kind of dawned on me that this is why teachers are so important you know like sometimes people don't realize it but teachers are you learn the most sometimes a little bit like when you're younger like the things that you the behaviors that you have 
as adults are almost always coming from who you were as a as a child not saying that you can't grow but that's kind of yeah that's like your foundation right your foundation so teachers are such big parts of who we are and i was watching criminal minds episode i can't remember the episode but the person you say criminal minds yes my favorite show i have i'm looking at the poster that i have while i'm saying everything but like um like a teacher kind of like helped help kids out and or like the kid i think that i don't know something happened in the show but like back to the point teachers are so important in making who kids kids who they are okay guys so the recording stopped like mid-sentence but back to miss lamano and the things that she want to see change in the world i'm gonna pass it on to you now okay so one of the last things, not last, but last things I would mention about changing is having um, more input from the teachers and the administrators that, and the paraprofessionals that are in the field with us every day. Um, some of the decisions that are made are, are made from leaders that are, I feel, out of touch with what's happening currently. So I would love to be more, have more of a committee where teachers that are being interviewed or surveyed or have input and not in a negative way and not in a, oh, you must not be doing a good job kind of way, yeah. but in a way of like what we feel we would work best for us. Yeah, I'm like, your opinions should be valued. You know, I think that's really important. And I really hope that like a lot of changes are made. There's a lot of elections going on right now. So hopefully... I have a lot of the people who are like politicians and hopefuls on here. So y'all yeah, should switch that up. That, that the level of the community politicians and like the, in the borough and people that represent Staten Island. Mm-hmm. That's, what I'm about, that's what I'm teaching right now. Like get what we need for our neighbor and our community and speak to our teachers and make the changes that we feel is going to impact the students for their academic and their social emotional growth. Because giving a stand, you can't put a standardized test from the state on something that at our level we're not even able to meet those needs right now. So yeah. I'd like to zoom in closer on what we actually really need for our students and our community. So, like impacting our students also in turn means we need to impact our community. We need our parents to be on board. We need to have teachers meet with parents and like. Very, I like to say, like informal settings. We used to do, um, obviously, due to COVID, we're not doing any of that this year, but we used to have like dine and design night where they would come and paint um, food and for them and, and for the families. And it was just like a nice set with movie night. We've had Zumba at the school. And that, and it was always like whenever I ran any of those events with my fifth grade team, it was always never talk about the student because yeah. we don't want parents to come to the building and be bombarded with, well, did you know your child's not raising their hand and <sighs> or your child's talking too much in class? We wanted to build relationships outside of the classroom and we used to hold events just like that, just to, you know, and the teachers would volunteer their time on Friday nights to do these things just to encourage, you know, more involvement. I think that's something that should be really implemented in like every school, not just elementary schools, not just Staten Island, like literally everywhere because then it makes the world 
I know it sounds so cheesy to say this, but like the world a better place. I feel like I've heard that since forever, but it's a it's true. Like I guess the world leaders are they all went through elementary school. They all even like back in the day when kids stopped going to school, they all started with elementary school and I think that these types of programs and all of it is so important and I'm so glad that you got to come on and like I miss you so much I miss you too I am so proud of you because this takes a lot of initiative and confidence to run your own podcast to talk to people and ask questions and tough questions too um and to really reach out and network to people and say like, you know what, I'm, I'm so used to interviewing kids myself. I was the one that would be the leader of the conversation. And for this time I got to sit back and, and you got to take the wheel. And I'm so proud of you because it's really like shows how empowering uh, it could be education and the influence that people have on each other. And I see so many of your mom's qualities in you being a go-getter. That is, Thank you. Love it. And you can, you can empower the youth too, just by formulating groups and having podcasts and having other children on to speak and get hold of some of those politicians and get them on to some of your podcasts and ask them for that pre- the pressing questions that the youth want for their neighborhoods. Yes, so. and I will add your questions when I talk to different people from our community and our community who can make change because I think that teachers they're the ones who are raising the people who are going to live here. Communities are places where people live pretty much all their lives, you know? So you are like a telephone line of communication. And I, uh, I'm i just so glad you got to share your opinions and share who you are for the world to see. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for everybody for listening because this is a very long episode. And I just want to thank everybody and I will... See you all next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.